Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined by Stacey Mayan Fong. She's the author of 50 Pies, 50 States, an immigrant's love letter to the United States through pie, which started as a project to develop a pie recipe for each state in the nation as a way to better understand America as she applied for her green card. Stacy talks with me today about how this project came to be, how she navigates celebrating America in a time where there is much to critique, and she gives her best baking tips for all of you aspiring pie makers out there, including myself. Remember, our June book club pick is Oreo by Fran Ross, and we will be discussing the book on Wednesday, June 28th with Hannah Oliver Depp. Everything we talk about on each episode of The Stacks can be found in the link in the show notes. And if you cannot get enough of The Stacks, I have a whole bunch more for you if you join The Stacks Pack, which is our community on Patreon. It's just $5 a month. You get bonus episodes, our virtual book club, access to our very active Discord where we talk about all sorts of things book-related, set up our own buddy reads, give our power rankings of our favorite snacks, and a lot more. Trust me, the Stacks Pack is having a good time. If that sounds like you, or if you're just like, I want to throw a little money behind my favorite independent book podcast, head to patreon.com slash the stacks and join the Stacks Pack. Special shout out to our newest members, Nicole Tortoriello, Lupita Reeds, Mira Anand, Brianna, Kayla Calvin, and Kristen Smith. Thank you all so much. And thank you to the entire Stacks Pack. And now it is time for my conversation with Stacey Mayan Fong. All right, everybody. I am so excited. I don't think we have done a cookbook on this show in years, but I read this book and I was like, this is so much fun. We absolutely have to do this book on the show. So I am joined today by Stacey Mayan Fong, who is the author of 50 Pies, 50 States. Stacy, welcome to the Stacks. Hi, Tracy. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. So for people who don't know you and don't know the book, can you in about 30 seconds or so tell us about 50 Pies, 50 States? Sure. So I started this project about seven years ago where I decided I was going to bake a pie for every state in America when I was applying for my permanent residency here or my green card. And I would give the pie to someone that I knew from that state. I'm a person that's obsessed with like Nora Ephron and Nancy Myers movies. So it was my big grand gesture to the country that I've chosen to call home. 
<laughs> That's so funny. So from the beginning, you knew you were going to give the pie to someone. Yeah. Like the pie was a fun part, like a fun receptacle to like learn about this country because, you know, I feel like oftentimes like when you travel overseas to like when you go to like Portugal or like Italy, you're like, oh my gosh, like I have to learn all about the food there. I feel like people don't do that very often in their own hometowns or like in their in their own country. Mm. And so I thought it'd be really cool to like figure out and talk to someone that I knew from that state and be like, hey, like. Is there something that you ate while you were growing up in West Virginia that was like really cool? And like, can you tell me about it? And could I turn that into pie somehow? And it also like (laughs) was able like a way for like people to look at their state in a different way because you get jaded, right? Like you're like, I was born there. This is my hometown. Like it makes you see it like for how special it is all over again, which is kind of magic. So, okay. So then. Uh, this changes everything to me. I just assumed the like giving it to someone was just like for the book kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But so when you set out to do this project, did you have an idea that it would be a book? I mean, no. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's always like, it's always, that was like the pipe dream, right? Like, oh, like a cookbook would be cool. But I really just did this as like a thing for me to do. I'm a card carrying Virgo. I love a project. I love being organized. And I thought it'd be really nice to have a fun thing that would allow me to remember like why I was going through the visa process. Like the Mm. visa process is really long. It's very arduous. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of paperwork. It's very expensive. And like, after all, you're like, why am I doing this? And I'm, and I'm doing this because I've made a home for myself here. Like the people I've met in now the like 17 years that I've lived here, like they are my family Mm -hmm. and this is my home. And like, it just like tethers you to a place and it kind of like changed the perspective on what I felt like home was like, everybody's like home is a place, right? Like home, but it's not like for me, home is whoever I surround myself with. It's like that song home is wherever I'm with you. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because I feel like, you know, I'm I'm a born American, born born and raised Californian, <laughs> and I don't know. You feel like you have to make the distinction, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, and you made a choice to live here. You were born in Hong Kong, lived in Singapore, then well, you were somewhere in between for like a teeny tiny bit. I can't remember. I was born in Singapore. Oh, born in then, Singapore. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Singapore, and I uh, lived in Indonesia, and I mostly okay. grew up in Hong Kong. So I was in Hong Kong from when I was five to 18 before I decided to make the very big transition to go to college in Savannah, Georgia. And yeah. And so I never really understood the idea of home as like the place that you kept going back to. Like I would watch all these American movies. And then when I started making friends here, like they could go back to the same bedroom that they had like growing up. And that's just a concept that's so foreign to me. And to be honest, I was just really jealous. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I was like really jealous that like I couldn't just like leave all my stuff in one place. Like my stuff was like in various storage units as like my dad moved around or like some of my stuff were with me. And like now all of the possessions that I own are in my Brooklyn apartment. Right. And like my Brooklyn apartment is the longest apartment I've ever lived in for like one stretch of period of time in my entire life, which is like kind of crazy. Right. And like. Yeah, it's just like finding things that like tether you to a place. It's not really the place itself. It's your own body is your home and the people you surround yourself with. 
Okay, so I'm going to ask you something else about America that you briefly touch on in the book, but I have a sense it's not how, totally your full experience, which is America kind of fucking sucks right now. So what was it like for you to write a book that's sort of like America's so great and pies are so fun and like food is lovely, knowing that like it's going to have an American flag on the cover and like knowing that it signals something that you sort of, you know, you call America a bad boyfriend. And I think like other people might use the word like abusive boyfriend, right? <laughs> you know, right, like, right. like you were very kind because obviously it's a cookbook. So yes. there's, you know, there's some stuff, but like, how is it for you writing a book that's sort of like America's so great and I love it here knowing that there's like book banning going on and like all of that and like trans youth are not allowed to do things or be human and you know, voting rights are under attack and all of these things. And like anti-Asian violence is on the rise because of former presidents. Like, how did you negotiate that while you're trying to be like, America's great too? So it was extremely difficult. Like it was truly very, very hard in the past two years while I was working on the book and like, to just be like, truly, why am I here? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If, if, if the country that I love so much doesn't want me here or the people that, um, are in office, don't want me here. Like, why should I be here? But the thing is, you know, we focus a lot now on like all the terrible things, which, and that's totally because of the media, right? Like, I feel like when I was growing up, you saw like terrible things on the morning news, the evening news, and then like sometimes in a newspaper, like if your parents had it like out on the table. Right. Now, now we're being constantly bombarded by, um, like your New York Times notifications and your Washington Post notifications. It's all over Instagram. And like, for example, like with all the AAPI violence, I didn't want to see like people were reposting like the videos and stuff, which I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see someone that looks like my grandma being beaten right now, right. you know, like and but the thing is, with all this terrible stuff that happens here in this country, there's also you see the rise for people wanting to make change. And I feel like that's what gives me hope and like that's what tethers me here or like the action that my friends do have that do have the ability to vote, like how they're using like their power in this country to like try and make change happen. And it's like people like me that are talking about how like the country does have potential. The country can <laughs> be good. Like there are people here that like want this place to be a better place. And like what's life without a little bit of hope? You know, right. right. No, I feel that. I feel that. Did it change? Did your feelings about America or like writing an a ode to America change during the process? Like, were you, did you see America differently than maybe you had when you set out to start making these pies or Americans? Yes. <laughs> I feel like yes and no. I feel like a little bit where I was like, I had this like very idealistic idea, right? Like from, watching movies and coming here on vacation and like listening to country music. Like I had a very, like, I, you know, put it on a pedestal. Right. right. But the thing is I wrote this book. I wrote these, this book for the people that are in this book. I wrote this book for my friends. I wrote this book for people that I've met along the way in small towns that have like made me feel very special. Like I, I moved from Hong Kong to Savannah, Georgia, which is a very, very <laughs> big move to say the least. <laughs> Um, just two two small towns coming just, together. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And like, you know, I felt like Savannah, like, welcomed me with open arms. And I got to meet so many different people that I might not have gotten to meet if I just mm -hmm. decided to stay in my bubble. And 
Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, I still love America and I still love, but mostly it's for its people. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not about the politics and it's not about all the terrible things I see. It's like how the people have proved to me time and time again, like that I want to be here and I want to see the change happen in this country and I want to be witness to it. I really appreciated the book because I am a proud and vocal America hater or critic, maybe Mm -hmm. is a nicer way of saying it. I talk a lot about America because of the show. I talk a lot about systems in America and how fucked up things are. But I have to say, I sat down, I started reading your book on Saturday or Sunday. I read it all basically in one sitting. And I was like, this is so lovely. It's so nice that someone likes America because this, like, it was like sort of a reminder for me of like, yeah, there's like delicious food and like, there's pretty places where you could, I mean, where you could sit and drink a beer. I'm more of a cocktail gal, but yeah. if you want to have your Miller lights or whatever, yeah, exactly. do you, honey, whatever. <laughs> but like, it was nice for me to be like, there's like, you know, obviously in all of these places, there's horrible things going on. Yes. But like, I don't know, the thought of pie, like and eating a apple muffin streusel pie in New York City. Like that sounded nice, you know? Um, so I do appreciate that as a reader of like, it was sort of fun to just like read this book and be like, I like it here too. I'm being mean. <laughs> but I think the thing is that like, the reason why you're so passionate about it is because you care, right? Of like course. if you didn't care, then you would be complacent. Yes, like, it's the James Baldwin quote. You exactly, know. exactly. And it's like, I care as much as well. And it's also just like, for me, I need a little bit of levity mm-hmm. or else I literally will just like doom spiral yeah. <laughs> into my own little like rabbit hole. And so it's like, yeah, it, it it's, it's not that I'm blind to anything that's happening. It's no, just a fresh and another perspective to just like give yourself a little lightness sometimes because everything seems so heavy all the time now. <laughs> and like, how are you going to write it in a cookbook? about yes. pie. Like, yes, I mean, it would have been a whole other thing. Yes. Um, so you talked a little bit about your audience, like the people, your friends, the people that you know, but I'm wondering, like, was there, is there a bigger audience for you? Like, who do you imagine picking up this book? Who are you thinking about? Maybe people that you don't know picking up this book? What, who were they? What did they feel like to you? I mean, for me, the response that I've gotten from people that I've never met has been really it like makes me really emotional. Like, cause you know, like I think it's like, it's so nice where it's like, they like, I hope that they meet my friends in this book. Like I hope that they meet like my friend Adam from Alabama. He was one of my first friends in college. He's still one of my best friends today. And I hope that someone reads the book and they're like, Oh my gosh, I have an Adam too, but her name is Jessica or, you know, like their name is John. Like, you know, and it's like, that's the wonderful thing about connection is everybody will make it in some way whether it's like through food or through like one silly thing that I did with a friend that you also might have done. Like one of the greatest connections that I made, I felt like when I was writing the pro- the book was um, for West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Jeffrey, he would tell me all about pepperoni rolls that he would eat like after school from like gas stations and stuff. And for me, growing up in Hong Kong, I would eat a similar thing, but it was like milk bread with like a hot dog in it. And it's like we grew up on like two different sides of the world and met in Savannah, Georgia, and now both live in New York together and both like kind of ate like similar ish things where like Hayes was like Italian immigrants coming to West Virginia and making this thing. And for me, it was like 
um, Chinese people trying to interpret like Western cuisine in like a mm. fun way, you know? And yeah. it's like the world is so connected in these like tiny points of interest that I just like, I love, I love finding the dots. I love making that, you know, that crazy red yarn wall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, I love the recipes cause there's like so many really creative ones. Um, I have a question about audience though. How did you imagine them as far as their skills in the baking department? How important was that part to you? Like, cause you know, it's a, it's memoir and it's, Cookbook. <laughs> Cookbook. And then it's like trivia a little bit. Yes. Because like yes. each, I should have told people this. So each state has a recipe for a pie and it has some facts about the state and it has like a little essay about the pie that you're going to be making. So it's like the cover, like there's like a picture for the state with like some facts about their not their state food. Then it's like details about the state. Then it's like this pie you're going to make is going to be like this because of this reason. And then there's like an actual recipe. And then the next page is the friend that you gave it to and a little bit about them. So how much like, and maybe this is a conversation with your publisher, like how do you decide what kind of baker your reader is supposed to be? Because there are some cookbooks that I have where it is like, you need to have 7,000 tools to make a lattice work like woven with floss pie crust. And then there's some books where it's like, dump it in the pot and then just like put it directly in the oven and then just lick the oven. Like, so I was wondering like how you were navigating that part. I feel like the difficulty of pies vary state by state. And like in the section, like there is a whole section that'll teach you how to make crust. Yes. But also like, I am not a person that's against a store-bought crust. Like if, if you get so stressed out about making your crust perfect that it's going to ruin your baking or your cooking experience, just buy the crust. Yes, do Pillsbury that. makes an incredible delicious. pie crust. It's delicious. You know, there's gluten-free options for crust. There's like, just buy it. Like if I feel like people get really bogged down now about making sure that it looks really pretty or that like um, they have to make every single part like you don't. Sandra Lee made a whole career out of making things semi-homemade. And like, I feel like if you want to focus on just the fillings and the toppings, like do that by the crust. And yeah, there are some that are easier. Like Alabama is like a blackberry peach pie with a pecan crumble. Or there's some that are like really kind of crazy, like the Nevada pie, Nevada. where I basically <laughs> made like an all-you-can-eat buffet and the recipe is like seven pages long. Yes, but Nevada. Like, I looked at Nevada and I was like, won't be me. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. But it I looks mean, gorgeous. That was that was a very like, that was the most like Virgo-y pie yeah. that I've ever seen in my That's entire like life. That's like the showstopper that you put in the cookbook, but you know mm-hmm. like seven people will ever make it. Yes, and I, I cannot wait for someone to do it and like get in the mindset of how crazy I was when I was making that pie. But yeah, like difficulty wise, I feel like it varies. Like you can pick state by state, but I honestly encourage you to buy a pie crust if you don't feel like confident in making your own. But, you know, if you want to give it a shot, do it. Like no one's going to stop you. And at the end of the day, even if it's bad pie, it's still pie. You can warm it up and put ice cream on it and everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. I love that. I love that you said that in the book. I was like, this is, I mean, I love baking. I am not a Virgo, but I am a extreme rule follower type person. <laughs> so for me, baking has always been like, I love it here. Um, like one of my challenges in life is cooking because I like to cook, but I have to be like, 
you can add more salt, boo. Like, do you? Like, yeah, you're I know like that- two tablespoons. Yeah, like, that, yeah. I, I read Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which helped uh-huh. me. That was the last cookbook we did on this show, which was oh, years amazing, ago. amazing. And it was really fun. And I was like, okay, I can decide that I don't want this ingredient and I can just like change it or like this isn't have enough salt. I can just change it. But I used to be like, let me get my teaspoon, like one eighth teaspoon. Exactly. So baking for me is a real joy because I know that I have to follow the rules. Um, And also I feel like with baking, what's so wonderful about it is that you have to be in it. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Once you start the process, you're in it. You can't leave it. And I feel like with everything that we're bombarded with all day, it's really nice to just like shut all that noise out and just like invest your time into something that's going to make you something that's like nourishing and wonderful that you can like either share or eat it all on your own in your yes. soft clothes while you watch TV. <laughs> but like, yeah, like you're just like in it. And I feel like there are very little things in life now that you can just like fully engross yourself in. And like baking is one of those things that's like, yeah, it's just the best. <laughs> I love that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. 
Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, let's talk about these pie recipes. How did you come up with each recipe? Because some of them, tradish, apple strudel kind of pie, easy, deep dish pumpkin, pretty standard. Then there's like fucking beef stew with cheese curds or whatever the fuck on top. And there's a beignet, a pie with a beignet situation. So like, what was your process of like figuring out what each state's pie would actually be? And then I'll ask the follow up after. Go ahead. Okay. So I feel like what I really liked or like what I want when I set out, I knew I wanted a good balance between sweet and savory pies. Okay. Because I was born in Singapore, which was a British colony. And I grew up in Hong Kong, which was also a British colony. So for me, pie was more of a savory thing than it was a sweet thing. Oh. Yeah. Like it was like meat pies, fish pies, shepherd's pie, steak and kidney pie, like that kind of deal. Steak Steak and and ale. kidney. Yeah. (laughs) And then so like when I moved over here, I was like, Oh my God, like there is like apple pies and custard pies and icebox pies and so many different kinds that I was like, okay, cool. Like I can like do a varied situation. And also if the state had like state foods or fruits or like a very distinctive regional cuisine, I already had like a jumping off point. Got it. Or if the person that I was giving the state to had a very like strong food memory, like I had another thing to tie it too. And the thing is, I'm not saying that this is the be all end all state pie for Connecticut or Delaware. Um, This is like my interpretation of like my experience with that state. So when I was doing the project, each state took me like two weeks to a month to kind of like really figure it out because I wanted to like do the research and take my time. And I started the project by writing all the 50 states out Um, all of their state foods, fruits, or regional cuisine if they had them. And I only ever looked at my life three pies at a time so that I could like fully focus. And yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. I would make like mini versions of the pies for myself. But like I wanted it to be, yeah, my interpretation and just like something that's like very like exciting where you're like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought about that. Or some of it, you're like, yeah, that's definitely it. Like Kentucky, it had to be a derby pie. Right. Um, But like for New Mexico, like anybody that I knew that like had gone to college there or had grown up there, all they ever talked about was green chili. So I was like, it had to be a green chili pie in some form. Did you, so you worked three pies at a time. Were they, did you work alphabetical or did you work like Because the book is alphabetical. Or did you work like ingredient wise? I worked alphabetically because that made the most sense to me. People have asked me, why didn't you do it um, in the order the states entered the union? And I was like, can the average American person list the states as they entered in the union? You know, it just seemed so confusing to me that alphabetically just made the most sense. Like I could be like, I'm done with the A states and then I'm done with the C states. Right. I also had the enter the union thought only because you put it in the book, but I would have mm-hmm. never thought that. But because in each state you like explained when it entered the union, I was like, yeah, oh, she could have done it this way too. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to find anything after the fact. No. Like I would have been like, <laughs> I, I actually don't know the first state that entered the union. I think it's like Delaware, Delaware. or something. Yeah. I, I only know that because I just read the book two days ago. 
Um, but literally I was like, this would be a fun way to do it for someone. But mm-hmm. then I had the exact immediate follow-up thought, which was how would I find a single pie? Exactly. I felt like alphabetically made the most sense to me. And it, it was also fun to just learn that song that everybody learned in oh, school. I didn't learn it. The, yeah. Like, the like, so- the state, no. that state song or whatever. I don't yeah. know that. Yeah. I don't know that. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your friends went to a better school than me. Um, <laughs> I don't know the states and I can do the states in order west to east. Like oh, but I have whoa. to visual but I have to visualize the yeah. country. Like I can't like I can't do it fast. I but I yeah. think I could get I, I'd get fucked up in New England, but I think I could get yes. there. Because they all like, especially when you get to the northeast, it's all just like on top. And yeah. then there's like a state like I'm I mean, I'm remembering it right now now, but I'm always forgetting New Hampshire. I'm always forgetting New Hampshire. <laughs> and Vermont probably going to forget that too. Might remember, but most likely Vermont and New Hampshire are going to forget one of those when I get to the end and I'm like, I did 49. Did you ever have a recipe idea where you were like, okay, for New York, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you got to New York and you were like, nope, not going to do it or whatever. North Dakota. Like, was there ever a time where you, where you had a plan and it just was a failure and you switched it up? Yes. So there were a couple pies where when I first did the project, I was like, I could have done better. I mean, I'm a person that I always feel like I can do better. Like I looked at the finished book and I was really happy, but I was like, huh, what if I did this instead? And then I was like, Stacey, you need to stop. Um, (laughs) Virgo's groove. Virgo's groove. Yeah. But um, for like Alaska, when I first did the project, I did a baked Alaska because like Mm. that was something that I thought would be really cool. But then when I really thought about it, I was like, no, I should do something that really highlights like the state itself and the things that Alaska gives us like amazing sockeye salmon and halibut. And like, how can I interpret that in a certain way? And I made the pie similar to like a fish pie I ate growing up, like in like British pubs and stuff. So I was like, Ooh, like that's another way I can like tie in two things. So the book gave me an opportunity to kind of revisit each state and see if I did the right thing or I did the best that I could. Do you have a favorite pie and a least favorite pie in your book? I feel like I can't pick a favorite. Like that would be, they're my children. But I feel feel like the one that probably means the most to me is New York. Um, It's the place that I live now. It's, I've lived here for, let's see, I moved here in 2010. So 13 years. And I've always wanted to live here. I have a letter that I wrote to myself when I was 15 where I was like, you're going to move to New York and you're going to go to Parsons and you're going to buy a camel peacoat and you're going to live in a loft apartment where the doors of the elevator like open yes. into your apartment. Right. That's chic. Um, yeah. and, um, cheap too. Super cheap. Super, super, super affordable. Yeah. And, you know, I've made some of those things happen. And by some of the th- those things, I mean, one thing I live in New York. Um, Do you not have a camel coat? I don't have a camel coat. Haven't found the perfect one yet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and um, I feel like that one just held so much weight mm-hmm. because it's the place I live. It's where most of my friends are. Um, even friends that I went to college with, like a lot of us moved up here together and it's a place that's so special. Like I spent my adulthood here and like growing up here and like, how could I capture all of these feelings in like one pie? And so I decided to do an apple pie with an Entenmann's coffee cake crumble because Entenmann's 
I feel like people take for granted because you see it in like gas stations. And I love Entenmann's so, so much. much. <laughs> like you see it in Ugh. gas stations and supermarkets. But like one of the first times I came to New York, um, it was with my dad during a business trip. And we were like at one of his friend's house and they had like a coffee cake and Entenmann's coffee cake like on the table. And those two like scent and taste memories were like, I was like, oh, like this is what people do here on a Sunday. Like that's so nice. And when I was like researching about it, um, I found out that like Entenmann's was like one of the first food delivery systems in the city that would get like all the baked goods like all over New York state, like to everybody's homes. And that's what like everybody had on their table on a Sunday or like. They had it for like the rest of the week to like pick on. And like, that's so special. And it's like, how can I do this? And I made a bunch of mini pies and threw like a big party for all of my friends here in the city and like brought them to all my favorite businesses, like my tattoo shop, my favorite provision store, like my yoga studio. Like they all got to eat some of the pie because like these are all the things that make like my state, New York, my home. That I lived in New York for eight years. And it, that is the pie that I am going to make first. Love. Because that is the pie that sounds the most like me. Though, Stacy, I have to fight you. Sure. Let's go. There is no <laughs> sweet potato pie in this cookbook. <laughs> and as a person who hates pumpkin pie, which it sounds like you do not like pumpkin pie I either, do not like pumpkin pie. There are two pumpkin pies. I know. One of those pies could have been a sweet, sweet potato. potato. Yes. Which one? I don't care. I don't know. Just <laughs> shovel it around. Just be like, they celebrate Halloween here. Oh, no, that's pumpkin. Just be like, this place is sweet. Here's a sweet potato all, pie. All leads, all roads lead. All roads. I can't pumpkin. remember which two were pumpkin. One's a deep dish pumpkin, and then the other uh, one was Illinois a- and New Hampshire. Okay, well, maybe South Carolina or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, in the next edition, in like, this, in the like, Another 50 pies for the same 50 states. We need like 17 sweet potato pies okay. or at least one because that, that is my you. favorite pie. And a- anyone who celebrates Thanksgiving in this country knows that if there's a pumpkin pie and a sweet potato pie on the table, you should not touch the pumpkin pie because it tastes <laughs> like nothing. And the sweet potato pie will give you delicious life and joy. So that is my big complaint with your book. It's pretty much my only one. All the other pies like sound good (laughs) or some of them sound gross to me because I'm such a picky eater, but they Mm -hmm. looked beautiful. I'm not a savory pie person, but there were a few savory pies that I was like, I would try that. Like the mashed potato pie Uh, I I was interested in. And then the New Mexico one. I was really interested. Green chili pork stew with a blue corn crust. Yeah. Yeah. And then the crab pie for Maryland. Uh, yes, with the old it was, bay. Yeah, crab dip. It was a crab dip pie with a hot old bay crust. Yeah, that yeah. one sounded good. Um, but yes, the sweet potato pie. Okay. When I got to the end of the book and I closed it, I was like, I'll have to fight her on the podcast. You have to write it. In, yeah, write it in the margins. And like, if we ever meet in person, I will write that wrong for you. Well, why don't you just write me Tracy's sweet potato pie recipe? And Done. then I'll let everybody know that the book yes. is fixed. And then yeah. I'll just send anyone like a copy. It's an I'll addendum. Like, yes. Yeah. If you pre-order, if you order this book from your local indie, you can get Tracy's yes. sweet, potato sweet potato pie, pie. recipe. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. It's not. It's not a bad complaint. That my only real complaint is that you didn't no, have my personal favorite ba- pie. Seriously, not a bad complaint at all. Could be and worse, like, but we do have I, to fight about it. I like wanted. I want to hear all the complaints. Like, I want to know. Like, did I get your state right, or did you think I did it wrong? Like, I love to like 
start the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're like, yeah. oh, like if you see Pennsylvania is this way, like how come? Right. You know what I mean? Like I want to know. Right. Love, well, I'm a I'm, Californian, and so I mm-hmm. felt like you could have done a million things with California. Yeah, California was that was really tough. And you did an artichoke pie. Um, and I, you know, I was thinking as I was reading through California's pretty early, so I didn't have a full sense of like what the range was going to be for the book, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, maybe she's going to do something with avocado. Maybe she's going to do something with like oranges. We have like a lot of orange, like, like an, like a cold pie. And then I thought maybe she'd do something with gold because gold rush state, but I didn't have a strong sense. Also, California has like a lot of almonds, I think. Yes. So like, I was like, I don't know. And then it's also California. So you could have done like something more like esoteric about California. Right. Um, so I, but I, I'm also excited to try that one because it's my state pie and because I do love artichoke because I'm yeah. a Californian. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love artichokes. Like if there's an artichoke on the menu, like I'm, I'm going to order it. Yeah. And like hot avocado kind of weirded me out. Like I was like, uh, like, I don't know. So I did, um, like an artichoke, like a savory artichoke pie and an herbed crust with like a savory almond crumble on top and a red wine reduction to kind of cut how creamy like the filling is. And like that was like kind of my ode to like Northern California and like Napa. the Napa, uh, Napa yeah. the Napa vibes. Because like my friends used to live in San Francisco and I would go out there a lot. And like my dad took me out there and I was just like, this is so nice. Yeah. This is the parent trap. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What is your best piece of pie making advice for the world? I feel like my best advice is just chill. Like just, just chill. Not only in the sense where like, just take your time and like, no one's rushing you. Like you're the one that's baking, but also to use your fridge, your fridge is your dough. Like your fridge is your friend. Like I feel like people will start working with their dough and then they're like, oh my gosh, it's getting so soft. Like what am I supposed to do? just put it in the fridge for a little while and just like leave it and then like start again or, and like freeze your pie before it goes in the oven and your crimps will hold better. And it, the butter won't just come all like rushing out, you know, just chill like that. <laughs> and also at the end of the day, you have pie. Like if That's it's right. warm, if it's cold, put ice cream on it, a little whipped cream, everything's fixed. Delicious. Everything is fine. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, you know, the other pie I want to make the like espresso, the like chocolate coffee pie with the cream, the creamy on top. Oh, the coffee milk stout pie for yes. um, Rhode Island. Yeah. Rhode Island. Yes. Yes. I don't remember all the names, but I remember the pictures and I remember yes. that I wanted <laughs> yes. to make it. Um, what do you think is the most common mistake people make when they're making pies? That their butter isn't cold enough. Got it. Yeah. Like it's. That is a thing that's like very like everything should be cold. Like the butter should be cold. The liquid that you're using to hydrate your crust should be cold. Um, and I have to work pretty fast because I have very warm hands. Mm. Um, so flour is also your friend when you're like rolling your dough out or like crimping the edges of your pie. Like flour up your fingers if you need to. Like I have like always have a little bowl of flour that I'm like <laughs> dipping my fingers into just because like my hands are so warm. Oh but gosh. Yeah, it's it's honestly just like enjoy the process, like the process of baking pie or cake or anything like it's it's really wonderful, you know, because it's like at the end of the day, you feel like a chem a chemist, you know, like you're putting all these things together and then you put it in this thing and then boom, like you have like a special treat. 
I love that. I, I had a girlfriend uh, who I worked with for a while who was pre- previously a professional like baker. And I once made a cake that was like all, it got all fucked up. It was like the middle of summer. I didn't have air conditioning. It was just all fucked up. And she was like, just put it in the freezer. I was like, what? Just put it in the freezer. It'll be fine. I was like, what? And ever since then, I was like, I can do this. Like no one ever tells you that when you learn how to bake from the Toll House cookie bag, you know, like it's like never like, oh, put this in the fridge for two hours and let it chill out. And it made it so because like all the crumbs were coming off my cake because it like got stuck. Oh, right. So she was like, and then the other trick that she taught me was to put your baking pan, if like something is stuck on your stove and heat up the oil again. Yeah, because so it will, will like release. release. Yeah. I never I never knew that. But then she's like, then you have to put it back in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like if like, you're yeah. you're very afraid of getting like a soggy bottom bottom with your pie, like put the sheet pan like in the oven first. So the sheet mm. pan is hot. So when you're putting like your pie plate or whatever like onto the sheet pan, like you've kind of like got a head start, you know? Yes. And like it's just fun tips and tricks that I feel like it's fun to talk to people about too, where you're like, oh man, like, yeah, I made this cake and blah, 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 this happened. Or I made this pie and blah, 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 this happened. And yeah, it's like, that's another good thing about baking is that people always want to talk about it. It's true. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. I'll tell you my big pie baking fear. Yes. So please. I always try to make like a different pie for Thanksgiving time because I don't bake pies that often. I like to make the crust. I'm excited to try your crust. I usually do the um, Smitten Kitchen crust. Her great whatever. crust. Great, Fantastic. great crust. I did it. It worked. I, I am was a like, Smith, this is Smitten Kitchen fan. Stan. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> but um, one year I had to do like a par baked or a blind baked crust. And I put, I don't know, beans or whatever to like hold the pie crust oh, down. Yes, yes, yes. It was a failure. So now I will never bake a blind baked crust, but because of your book, I'm going to try again. It got, it didn't, it didn't hold it down. It got all bubbly still. And so it was like gross and it didn't work. So oh. I have to try again, but that was like five years ago and I have never made a pie. Did that you, that. yeah, it's just, it's all about, you got to dock the bottom, which is just like poke fork. holes in it with a fork yeah, and then really freeze it. Like, so it comes out and like, if you hit a wall, it would shatter, you know, okay. like really freeze it. So it like everything holds. And the beans, like, fill it all the way up to the top. I think that was my mistake. Yeah, because it's to hold basically, like, the sides of the crust so they don't slump and also the bottom down. Yeah, so my bottom got bubbly and then my sides, like, puffed out and it looked so ugly, which was devastating to me as a person who cares (laughs) deeply about, like, the aesthetics of things. Exactly, exactly. And, like, (laughs) yeah, just, like, really fill it so it's, like, super full and, like, basically – if you're using beans or baking beans or whatever, it completely like fills the, that cavity. Yeah. Okay. We're going to transition a little bit to your writing process. First of all, what's not in the book that you wish was in the book besides sweet potato pie? <laughs> well, I'm going to say number one, sweet potato pie. It's actually Tracy's sweet potato pie. Yes, that thank you. It should have been hers. Please ship um, it to my home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I don't know. It doesn't have to be a pie. It could be like a factoid or a person or like it could be anything. I feel like I do wish I could have made like a pie that was like specific to my dog. That would have been a nice pie or like a pie that was like just for my grandpa, who's Mm. like who was my favorite person on the entire planet. He's since passed, but like is my favorite person. And like, yeah, I wish I could have done a couple like 
pies that were like just for certain like people in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I did, I got to do Tennessee for Dolly Parton, who is a very important person in my life. Um, So yeah, I feel like, no, it's, I think I got to make the book that I really wanted to. And like, yeah, I'm, yeah, no regrets. (laughs) I love it. Well, that could be your next book, like pies for different people in your life. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like now you have to like stick with this kind of thing where everyone gets the pie. So it's (laughs) like you could do it for different people. Um, How did you make time to do this project? How did you make time to write the book, to bake the pies, to tweak the recipes? That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good question. I mean, you always make time for something that you love, right? Mm -hmm. And people that you love. And like, I loved doing this. So making time for it wasn't a chore. It was like, I wanted to do it. And like, this was a choice that I made. And yeah, I always made time for it. And like, I got to sit in this world where like, I got to rebake all the pies that I had baked in the project. And I got to revisit this, these states and like revisit the memories that I had with the person that I was dedicating the pie to. Like, not a lot of people get the joy to do that, like to do a project twice. And like, yeah, I, I always made time for it whenever, like, yeah, I incorporated my work life into it and just like, yeah, I always made time because it was very special and an honest privilege that I got to do this. We should shout out your, at least one of your works, because people who listen, people who are part of the Stacks Pack on Patreon, one of our first bonus episodes was with Catherine, who you know as the people who are listening will know as the owner of Big Night, my favorite party store in the whole world. Um, and Catherine, it's a it's a party hosting store in Brooklyn and now in Manhattan. And Catherine and I met a long time ago when I used to teach fitness. And you work with Catherine. I do. I was um, employee number one. Of, I know uh, this about after you. Catherine at Big Night. And um, now I am the GM of the Greenpoint store, the OG location, and the grocery buyer. And I started working um, with Catherine after I left 4 and 20 Blackbirds. So you know what? We'll backtrack a little. We'll do it like a... Yeah. <laughs> so Flip it and reverse t- it. Exactly. So for 10 years, I worked in the fashion industry as a handbag designer, which I absolutely loved. But then I got kind of complacent. You know, like I got mm-hmm. really good at a thing that I really wasn't passionate about anymore. Mm-hmm. I still have a passion for fashion, but you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And um, during the pandemic, I was already, I had already started the project while I was working in fashion, but it wasn't really, you know, top of mind, right? Because I had a full-time job. And during the pandemic, I lost my job, like a lot of people did. And I knew that I needed to make like a hard pivot. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, do you want to go back into fashion? Like it, like you got a paycheck, but like you weren't passionate about it. Like it was so hard for me to find the motivation to like get out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. But I was like going to be able to pay off all my debt. I was going, you know, going to be able like to go traveling with my friends. But that like the pandemic gave me a lot of perspective. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a hard pivot and I'm going to just cold email a bunch of bakeries that I love in the in the city. And we'll see if they reply. Like I'm a pretty good home baker. I'm willing to learn. So I wrote 4 and 20 Blackbirds, which is my favorite pie shop in the city. And they wrote me back. I did a trial day. I ended up working there for a year and a half, which was honestly like the greatest experience because it was like pie boot camp. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I like survived two Thanksgivings at 4 and 20 Blackbirds. Oh my gosh. And, and it was 
such an incredible experience and it's only made me like a better baker, like learning from my supervisor, Rika, and like working with the team there. Like it was like such a special experience that cemented the fact that this is what I wanted to do. And during my time at 420 Blackbirds, um, which I got that job with a cold email, my then literary agent, Christopher Hemlin, cold emailed me asking if I wanted representation. And while he was doing that, my now editor, Michael Serban, cold emailed me asking me if I wanted to write a book. We love a cold email. We love a cold email. We love a cold email. Hey, it can happen. (laughs) It can happen. And um, when book stuff got finalized and I signed my deal, I was like, I love baking at 420 Blackbirds, but I couldn't work on a line and write a book at the same time. Right. So I had to make that tough decision. And Big Night at the time had been open for a few months. I had been, I loved it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to cold email Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) So I did because me and Catherine have had long conversations about this. Like we love a cold email. And the thing is that what are they going to do? Say no. Right. And it wasn't even yours to begin with. So you really, you've lost nothing. You've just, Mm -hmm. you know, taken a chance. And so through all these wonderful cold emails, I now have like, so I have so much to be thankful for. And like, I got to work at big night, bask in the wonderful light that comes through both stores, like meet Catherine, meet all of her friends, meet all these wonderful vendors. And like, that has only like fueled my passion for food and the way that food can connect people together. Like, sitting a big night and being able to be like someone walks in and they're like, I need to buy this gift for my friend. She really loves to cook like Italian food. Like what should I do? Like being able to help assemble gifts. I call it the gift giving Olympics. It's always (laughs) nice to, you know, medal first place. And yeah, it it cements the fact that like food is connection and like it only worked like hand in hand with putting this project together and writing the book. It like gave me another reason of like why I want to be here, why this project was so important to me. It's like you just constantly build connections in your life. And like even if interactions are like small and fleeting, they're still meaningful. And yeah. like you should like remember them and appreciate them. That I love that. So um, when I went to visit Big Night, I, you know, was just hanging out. I was traveling, so I didn't have room in my bag. All I could get was a hat. And um, these guys came in and they were looking for a wedding gift and I sold them some like bowl. And Catherine was like, what did you just do? I was like, I love selling gifts. Like I love talking to people about gifts. I'm like, you should get this. And they were like, well, we're looking for something for a wedding. And I was like, well, this bowl is so great when I got married. And I was like, yeah. The whole thing, and she like looked at me. She's like, "Do you want to work here?" I was like, "Yes, obviously." <laughs> you just roll um, up your sleeves. You sit in the chair. You're like, "Hello, welcome to Big Night." Hello, I'm Tracy. what How can, can I, I give you? you? Yeah. Do you want a giant tin of potato chips? We have that. Yes. Um. Okay. How do you like to write? How many hours a day? How often? I'm assuming you're listening to music because you are listening to music a lot in the book. Um. Are are there snacks and beverages? Where are you? And I guess when you're writing a recipe, are you writing the recipe as you're going or are you writing after the fact if it's successful? How does that work? So for writing, I definitely write in like hour spurts and better Mm -hmm. in the morning. And then I take breaks like where I just lie on the ground. Um, (laughs) 
you know, and like for snacks and stuff, I always have like a bowl of popcorn or something. And okay. I mean, Tracy can see this, but you guys can't because it's a podcast. But I have like a minimum of like three beverages at yes, all I times. I also have all my yeah, beverages it's, yeah, going. It's my, my emotional support <laughs> beverages. I always just have like a tree. And of what beverages. are they? Uh, right now it is a smoothie. A coffee, uh, like an espresso coconut water. That's my like okay. summer drink hmm. of choice. And then um, water with some lemons and chlorophyll in it, you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my three beverages right now. Um, okay. But yeah, like I like getting like just really into it. And so like, yeah, it's always there's music playing in the background, which some people are like, how can you do that? Like write <laughs> and listen to music. But music is like so inspiring, especially I love I love like old country music because it's all storytelling, like mm-hmm. folk music. It's all storytelling. And you're kind of like, oh, like there's really good wordplay and stuff. And like, how can I incorporate that into my writing? And then when it comes to recipes, I kind of write out like the bones of it. And then like when I start cooking it is when I write like haphazard notes all over it where I'm like, oh, like less cinnamon, more cinnamon, like could use like longer time in oven, like all of that stuff before I get to my final recipe. And yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. But yeah, with writing, it's like everything down and then like so many rereads and then like rewrites and just like constantly working on it. But I like to get everything onto the page and then like come back and edit. When you're doing the recipe part, are you like, so you put your recipe down for the first try, you make it, you make your little notes, you do it again. Do you do it as many times until you get it absolutely perfect? And then after that, how many times do you test it to make sure that it's actually perfect and you didn't do something like different because you know that like I'm going to get it and I'm not you. I've given it to some friends like that I know are like more novice bakers or like not as experienced in the kitchen. And if they can follow it as well as I can, or they give me notes on like, hey, like, could you explain like this better? then I will go in and like be like, actually, you know, like, right. Like Schitt's Creek style fold in the cheese. Like you're like, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know? Right. Right. Like, right. Okay. And it's like using certain words that like, if you're someone that cooks a lot, like you might read that word and know exactly what that means. But for like the average person, you need to think like, what's the best way to like translate this without actually showing them. Cause like mm-hmm. I'm a visual learner. Right. So like reading, sometimes it's like a little hard where you're like, how can I il- illustrate the best picture in your head to that's why in the cookbook, there's a photo for every single recipe. Yeah. And that's not that typical in cookbooks. But the thing is, with the 50 pies, like they are all so, so different that I knew that if you were baking it, like you needed to see what the end product was going to look like or like yeah. could look like. Yeah. Yeah. Music really quickly. This was one of the first notes I took. You talk about the national anthem and how much you love it and how it makes you emotional. And you'd bring up Whitney Houston's national anthem. But have you heard Marvin Gaye's 1983 NBA All-Star Game anthem? I have not. Okay. Make a note. Okay. Please listen. Text me when this is over. I will. It starts off a little weird, but by 1983? the end. 1983? Okay. It's Marvin Gaye. You'll know. Okay. It's it's fantastic. I listened. It's like this. That is my favorite American thing. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I love the Whitney Houston, but this one, the time signature is different. It's like all fucked up. It's like, and then he like gets off for a second, but then he pulls it together at the end and you're just and you're like, like, the whole crowd starts <laughs> clapping. It's just like chills. So I wanted to share that with you as okay. a person who likes the anthem. It is love, the best, best one. Because it like, uh, feel, I think what I love about it is that like, it's the way it's written 
it like fills your chest. Like there's like a swelling, like when you listen to some songs, like it fills your whole body with like just good emotions. And like, yeah, like that's how it feels to me. So I feel like what's interesting about the United States national anthem is that if you are not good, it is an atrocious song. But if you do it well, it's like, oh, turns out this is a banger. But so many people can't do it. And I'm a big sports person. So like going to sporting events and like watching people try to sing it and like get it like as it starts to build, getting there and being like, she doesn't have it. Or like, there's no way they're not getting we should there. Do, we should do a bracket of like the worst, you know what I mean? Like it's and just like March Madness style bracket. Well, it's a the, hard song to sing. It's so hard. It's like people, sometimes you're like, yes, believe in yourself, but sometimes, whoa. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> like, just, why don't you just play Whitney over this loudspeaker? Yes, ex- exactly. Like, it's fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay. I just have a few more questions for you. What's a word you can never spell correctly on the first try? Definitely. Same. That's a really hard one. <laughs> I'm always like, I have to keep reading an email if it has definitely in it. Cause so it doesn't say defiantly. Mm. And I'm like, is that like a, some weird, like Freudian slip in, in our heads, you know, that's like, no, I just can't spell anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's just period. I probably can't oh. spell defiantly either, yeah. to be honest. It's definitely in Massachusetts. I have a oh. really hard, like it just, the series of letters just makes no sense to me. Massachusetts, like in my, sure. Yeah, yeah. And you've had to spell that for your book. I don't, can't remember the last time I spelled Massachusetts. It's exactly. either M-A or it's Mass or it's not yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I know the book just came out, but you've been doing the project on your Instagram and stuff and sharing it. Who's the coolest person who's expressed interest in in what you've done, what you do? Oh, wow. It's definitely uh, Sola L. Wiley, who I love. Oh, yes. I love Sola so much. She's got I, a cookbook coming out. She has a cookbook coming out that I have pre-ordered, and I really hope I get to meet her in person um, at some point in my life. But I did like a side project during the pandemic where... I baked um, pies based on Nora Ephron and Nancy Meyer movies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Nancy Meyers liked the post for the pie that I did for the holiday. And I wish that my roommate had like a recording of me screaming. Oh like it was just like absolute mayhem. Like I I'm not a girl that loves scary movies or like anything. That's I'm a rom-com girl and I'm Same. like not not afraid to, you know, own that. admit that. Yeah, I own it. And I made like, uh, like the the pie for the holiday, and it just for her to be like you got it spot on was just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. What was the pie? It was um, a Christmas fettuccine pie. Oh. Yeah, because wow. uh, yeah, so it was like a pasta pie with like um, a garlic bread crust, because mm. that's what like Kate Winslet says to Jack Black, like when he's feeling all sad. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah. Um, wait. So Sola's spat choked turkey that she talked about on Instagram and like wrote a recipe for is I after actually the same day I went to big night Catherine and I went and got tea before the store Uh opened at that place like right around the corner from the shop oh maman yes they sell Sloan tea which was the first time I ever had Sloan tea and people listening to this who know me know that I'm obsessed with Sloan tea now because of that day but she was like, Catherine, I was asking her to help me with my menu and all this stuff. And she's like, you got a spatch 
choking your turkey. Spatchcock. Spatchcock, whatever. <laughs> Listen, cut the shit up. Cut the spine out. Yo, push it down. It yeah. yeah, cut it out. But Sola's recipe was what I used. And that's how I found her work. And now I'm obsessed. But yeah, that's just more about me. <laughs> okay, for people who love 50 Pies, 50 States, what are some other books you might recommend to them that are in conversation with what you've made? I feel like... I love her so much. Uh, Cheryl Day, she's a baker out of Savannah, Georgia, and she owns a bakery called Back in the Day Bakery. And she's written so many cookbooks. And her most recent one is um, Cheryl Day's Treasury of Southern Baking. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of her all Southern recipes to do with baking. That's just so wonderful because it's tied to so much of like the heritage of this country and how like why we eat certain foods that we eat. Like, Mm. I think like that's so amazing. And a book that came to me because of the project, because of who I gave the South Dakota pie to Eric Zimmer. He is um, a historian that was based. I loved him. Yeah. That was based in the black Hills of South Dakota. He introduced me to Sean Sherman, who's known as the Sioux chef. And I got to read um, Sean Sherman's cookbook all about like Native American cuisine, which I found like so beautiful and fascinating. And like, you know, everywhere across this country, like you get to eat like Mexican food and Korean food and Japanese food and Chinese food. Like I was always just like thinking to myself, like, why can't I eat Native American cuisine whenever I want? Like, why can't I also order on Seamless? And he his education of the cuisine and like why like certain wild rice is used, like how they use berries to sweeten things and like flavors like bergamot to like give like floral notes to certain sauces. Like I found like absolutely wonderful. And like, that's like another way for you to like discover new things in the country that you live in. Or like you find out like, oh my gosh, in my state, like I could actually get this thing to make this other thing. And like, that's part of like the heritage of why my state is my state. Right. I love that. Um, What do you hope folks will keep in mind as they read your book? I hope that they have a good time. Yeah, I hope that they have a good time. And I am very excited for them to meet all my friends and for them to think about people in their life that, you know, mimic or mirror people that I have in my life. And yeah, I just want them to have a good time. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Last question. If you could have one person dead or alive, read your book, who would you want it to be? Hands down, always Dolly Parton. Like there's no other, there is no question in my mind. (laughs) Like it's Dolly Parton. I've loved Dolly Parton since I was a little girl, you know, just listening to Tennessee Mount home while I looked at the South China Sea, which makes no ding dang sense. (laughs) But like, um, I just think that she is and embodies like the America that everybody wishes America could be. Yeah. And her music is so poignant. It's such good storytelling. Her style is fantastic. She is iconic and like she just owns who she is. And like if I could be half as wonderful as she is, I've made it. Did you send her the book? Um, Yes. Yes, we did. So we'll cross fingers that she gets to see it. I mean, you have a beautiful like drawing of her on a pie. (laughs) Like she better at least turn to Tennessee and be like, what's up? (laughs) Yes. Tennessee is based on Dolly Parton's favorite breakfast, which is biscuits and gravy. Oh, that's the other one I want to make. Mm-hmm. That one looks like me because I don't like yeah. eggs. So for me, like I was really excited that it was like a breakfasty kind of pie, but without that. No eggs. eggs. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, everybody, this has been a conversation with Stacy Mayan Fong, 50 Pies, 50 States. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Tracy. This is the best. And I cannot wait for us to meet in person and then I'll bake you a sweet potato pie. We're going to meet in person. I'm going to be in New York in September because I'm doing a tour of the podcast. And Catherine is already agreed to like provide some things for the goodie bag. So Love. I'm sure we're going to be connected in some way, but I will be out there in September. I will be waiting for you to deliver my pie to the stage <laughs> for me. It's yes, the show's on yes. a Monday night. It's Monday, Done. September 25th. Done. Um, no nuts, sweet potatoes Would love whipped cream or ice cream. Vanilla is great. Don't get too fancy. Uh, <laughs> traditionalist. <laughs> Can't wait for my pie. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Thank you so much and congratulations on the book. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. I had the best time and honestly, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better way to start my day. Yay. And everyone else, we will see you in the stacks. All right, y'all, that does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Stacey May and Fong for joining the show. I'd also like to thank Lauren Ortiz for helping to make this conversation possible. Don't forget our June book club pick is Oreo by Fran Ross, and we will be discussing that book on Wednesday, June 28th with Hannah Oliver Depp. If you love the show and want inside access to it, head to patreon.com slash the stacks and join the stacks pack. Make sure you're subscribed to the stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify, leave us a rating and a review. For more from the stacks, follow us on social media at the stacks pod on Instagram and TikTok and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And of course, check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. This episode of The Stacks was edited by Christian Duenas with production assistance from Lauren Tyree. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 